welcome to another video from theplanetsaid.com. My name's Alexander. And I'm Grant. And uh, we are once again on the road. So yeah, we're uh, on our way to um, up to Fitchburg, Wisconsin to see our friends at Noble Night Games. And so excited about that. I think I said that in the other video too, but yes, I'm just, we have like two and a half hours and I'm just chomping at the bit to get there. Yeah, and we're just driving out, doing an overnight stay. So we'll be there today and then tomorrow come home tomorrow it'll be a late one for us but just want to go and meet uh, everyone there because they've been great supporters of our channel we've got a yep. bunch of games to drop off and we'll play some as well and uh, just kind of hang out and have a good time and we might end up bringing some games back yeah I mean not a whole jeep full not this many but, but <laughs> we have probably close to 200 games in the back of the car yeah I brought about 96 <laughs> so <laughs> I think I I yeah. think I have about that as well. Yeah. Uh, it, but, it's a little embarrassing, not going to lie. But it's less embarrassing now that they won't be on our shelves. So It's true. We have to live through this momentary embarrassment, get through it, and then we'll be golden. It's going to be great. And I still have 300 games on my shelf. <laughs> I didn't say that out loud. I told my wife how many games I had, and she about fell over. Well, that's your first mistake. Well... Some things yeah. are best kept to yourself. Yeah. Discretion being the better part of valor and all that. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're just driving today and thought we'd kind of have a quick chat about um, different types of games that make you feel different types of ways. That illicit emotion. Because we play a lot of war games and we've played a lot of other games that are kind of in our lives and... A big thing that I like about war games is kind of the competition of it. I like going head-to-head -head with someone and trying to... The strategy. You know, the strategy and that head-to-head, -head and sometimes you get into very cerebral space of, like, let's do all this stuff. How am I going to do what I know I need to do? Yeah. How do I use the rules to be able to allow me to fulfill my goals? There's that puzzly element to it. There's that competitive nature to it. That's great. That's not really what we're talking about today, though. What we're talking about is stuff that's on top of that. You know, games that do that, or that, that might be an element of them, but that have more to them than that, that, that can give you something more of an experience. Um, which I think is, someone posited that as, as a topic suggestion, I thought, that is a really interesting, yeah. uh, you know, way to look at things and I sat down and was like yeah we have to talk about this because I'm interested sure to, looking back at the games that I've played and the ones that give me that extra kind of nugget of emotion or something was just well when you share interesting when you shared the topic with me I my gears began to turn rustily but and I thought oh what about this game and what about this game and then I kind of hit a like a wall I couldn't think of any other and then all of a sudden, I started thinking in a different way. You know, we talked about the competition. There's also the emotional connection to the game, whether it's historically or an underdog. There's a visceral nature to some games that we play. Yes. There is a moral choice in some games that we play. And I, all of a sudden, I thought of it in that way, and four or five other games came to me. And I, I could probably come up with a hundred. Yeah, if, if, if we sat down, you could go through, and there's a, a, a lot of... And to me, that's a, a huge... That's what makes some of my favorite games really good, is that you'll have at least some element of that, where it's right. more than just a game. 
Well, the the game is the game, right? The, yeah. Like I said, the strategy and the tactics. What are you trying to do and how are you going to do it? But then does that game make you consider various aspects? Consider your men. Consider the collateral damage. Consider, you know, the moral or ethical dilemmas. I, I That's why I play games because I want to be forced to think about things. Yeah, you get an exposure to those kinds of things. Yeah. If I want to just play a game for fun, I'll play a Euro game. Yeah. Or a heavy negotiation game that is just fun and we're yelling and screaming at each other. Which, that's fun too. Yeah, it's fun too. That elicits emotion. But So so I'm just going to go through the games because I've yes. got the list here. You're driving. Some of these you put on and I have not played, such as Heading Forward. Yeah, so... I've not played that one. Heading Forward, not a war game. Uh, these don't have to be war games. No, but a lot, at of, all. A lot of them are yes. and, and will become that way. But Heading Forward was one of the first games that popped into my brain because that is a solitaire game about recovering from a traumatic brain injury designed by someone who recovered from a traumatic brain injury. Do you remember the designer's name? Uh, no. I could probably look it up while you're Informally, yeah, I don't, I don't. But that's, and it uses something that I believe, it, it was some specific spoon theory, and that was like the method that was implemented for recovery. And basically this game is this, um, it's a card game, and you have these very limited resources, and you're trying to do um, some kind of set collection, set building, and basically those represent, like, um, progress that you're making with, like, memory recovery. Or learning to walk. Yeah. Again. Like, physiotherapy, or, like, being able to go back to work and, like, have the cognitive control to function at work and achieve goals to get yourself back on track. And it was... As a, game, as a solo game, really interesting and quite difficult at times. But that in itself was interesting. This game isn't difficult because it's a difficult game. The difficulty of the game represents the struggle that people go through on a daily doing these kinds of things. Sure. And, and, and then I won a game of it, and it was like there was a level of elation that was great because of what it represented. It was more than just like, I won my victory conditions. Well, the victory conditions of this are very deeply empathetic and it helps to put you in someone else's shoes as they're struggling through something that I've very fortunately never had to do. Well, and we take for granted the things that, right? Yes. We can walk, we can move, we can think clear. Yeah. You know, if you've had those accidents, that's a challenge. Uh, yeah, and, and having that control relinquished and, and trying to wrestle that back can be a huge struggle. And that game really opened up the doors to that. Mm-hmm. And you can read books on these things and they'll describe that stuff, and that's great. Very, there's a lot of merit to that. But there was something about going through some of those motions and, and trying to achieve something and maybe failing on that and stumbling through certain things that just made it a little bit more of a, a real experience of like, oh, I was able to learn a little bit more about that. So are there, like on the board or in the game itself, are there steps? Like, for instance, physical movement. Are there steps that you have to accomplish to reach your goal of being able to, say, walk? Yeah, so those those are represented by cards, and, and it's sets of cards, and you're trying to get, like, you know, a level one card. And then to get to level two, you have to have 
achieved certain things, and then you can play the level two card down. Okay. And that represents you, you know, having done some therapy and be able to move a bit more. And to get to the level three card, you might need this, that, and this on top okay. of that. And so it's trying to garner these resources and leverage your um, what you have to be able to do those. It okay. was very cool, interesting, very unique little one-player game from uh, Holland Spiel. So John Dubois. That's or right. Dubois. I don't know exactly how I he think wants he's Canadian, to. so I would okay. say Dubois. Dubois. But yeah, and it's from Holland Spiel, which, in my opinion, is known for its very eclectic and different, yes. very unique games, and I think that's great. Yeah, but very nothing. I've never played anything quite like that. All right, the next one. I'm going to skip over the next one and come back to it. Sure. Uh, Warfighter. We both love Warfighter. Warfighter is excellent. We, we love the game. We love the system. We love the mechanics. We love the way it works. We also love the expandability. You'll have anywhere from 30 <laughs> to 40 scenarios in a box, and then they put out more that you want to get and collect. And But, yeah, Warfighter. I, I, what, what are your thoughts on that one? So Warfighter offers something that we see, that we don't do as much of. It, it offers a cooperative variant as well. And that's really fun. How we've we've to, played it to mostly sit down cooperatively. And do that. Um, but what I love about Warfighter, and this is something that goes into other games, is that it is once again on an individual level. Your card represents one guy, and he has a name and a rank yeah. and a picture. And so when you're playing those games, to me, there's an extra level of like investment. It wasn't that like oh, my soldier died. You're like, oh... Tom uh, Hardy died. Yeah, <laughs> Private Thompson yeah. did not make it. And so when you make moves in that game or you try to do things where you're like, hey, you have to give an order to someone to like sacrifice themselves to stay behind whilst everyone moves forward, or even when you like leave your sniper rifle behind because he needs <laughs> to be a certain number of spaces and everyone else is moving forward, He's on this little island, and it is very unsafe. And so you get a little bit extra levels of, like, tension. Mm -hmm. Or you get levels of camaraderie where you're like, no, we can't leave that guy behind because he'll eat it, sure. and we need to bring everyone. Um, well, and you need that guy sometimes to meet the objectives of a mission. Yeah. Oh, you, like, you actually have to snipe a guy in a bunker, and that's the only way you're going to get him is with your sniper. Yeah, and, and or like, you you know, you've got a medic, and he's got the bandages. Let's bring him up. Let's patch wounds. You're doing things that are very small and personal, and as such, it's easier to get attached to those. Sure. And it's almost role-play elements to it as well. Mm -hmm. And so when you... But then also, like, when you pull off a great mission, and your guys, like, totally, like, dominate the board, and then yeah. go in and, like, destroy the bunker or capture the enemy commander, it's like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, we're going home and having a great meal, and, like, you guys did well, and you could, they get, like, awards if you play with the little sure. awards expansion, which is good fun. And, like, you can do those things that are very heroic, so it has a lot of really great feeling well, to and, it. And I really like about, along those same lines, some of those enemy cards are very difficult to defeat. Oh, gosh, yes. Some of them, like, affect other enemy units, or they screen the more powerful units, so you have to take out the weaker units to get to the bigger units. But when you're able to do something that, like throw a hand grenade, right? And typically a hand grenade, I think you roll three or four dice. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to hit than it is with, say, a sniper rifle from four spaces away. <laughs> but you've only got one of them. Yeah, but you've got, so it's like... <laughs> 
thinking about how am I going, when am I going to use this grenade and is it going to come out the way, because I need that guy gone. He's got three health. I got to hit three out of four on this grenade. And man, when you roll those 10-sided dice and you need a six or higher to hit and you roll three sixes, you're like, oh, and it's exultant, right? It's, it elicits that real sense of accomplishment. The other thing that is great about that system is the way you lay out your terrain cards. Because you have a choice of a couple of cards in your hand if you have a couple of land cards. And you have to decide, okay, do I want to go into the swamp that I know will not have as many reinforcements, but I'm going to have to do a malaria check, or do I want to go into the, the stream you know, that you know is going to attract reinforcements because they got to come and get a drink of water. And it's those choices of yeah. damned if you do, damned if, you're, if you don't. you got to choose the lesser of two evils. And, man, that's a great, to me, a great decision space in a very interesting game. Yeah. I love Warfighter. I, I, I love Warfighter. One of my favorite memories playing that solo was I was doing a North Africa game, and I had, like, two guys... And they were on a like a secretive mission, trying to go and do their objective, and a tank rolled up. <laughs> and, and in my, as soon as I pulled the tank, I was like, "Oh, oh no! Like this is going to end badly." But there's like the evasion rule where you can like dump a certain number of cards, and it's like you sneak down into the ditch, and the tank rumbles by because they couldn't see you from their tiny field of vision, and, and like they're passed that way. You're like, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Great little narrative, great little parts of tension and things and, like that. And games so that can create that type of tension and feeling. That's why I like narrative-driven solitaire games. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking of uh, Silent Victory and The Hunters. And, man, those games are so fun. They're a bunch of chart flipping and dice rolling. But it's you make a narrative in your mind. The, the and more it's just you so, invest in it, the yeah, more you'll you get back. It. You say that a lot. I, I agree. Okay, Warfighter. Another one is uh, Sniper Elite. Yes. So for those that don't know what Sniper Elite is, very interesting game from Rebellion Unplugged, designed by David Thompson and I'm trying to remember the second, Roger Tankersley, I think was the second designer. So this is based on the IP video game, right? Yes. Um, Sniper Elite, where the game is focused on sneaking around, taking your shots at targets. And if you miss, you alert guards, or if you fall down or you hit a tripwire, you know, guards are going to come. So the game, the board game, takes that video game and really puts it into a tactic, a tactile, you know, miniatures on a board, and it's a hidden movement game as well. Which we've done some of, but that's not a big space of games that do that. Well, it's a rare mechanic, really, because it's hard to do and do well. Yes. Another game that I loved that used hidden mechanic was that They Come Unseen. That Cold War yeah. sub game from Osprey. Same thing. I don't know where the ship is. I'm dropping my depth charges, hoping that I'm hitting them, and then you're over there giggling because you know you're eight squares away from there. Or, or am I right there and I'm giggling to make you think? To make I'm me eight think, yeah, away. yeah. And that's the joy of a hidden movement game. But Sniper Elite, what, what do you think about Sniper so, Elite? I, I, Sniper Elite was one of the first ones I wrote down on this list because I we played it a few times back and forth, and I played one time as the Sniper, and I remember I had, like, a physical reaction to that game. <laughs> that, Panic attack. That, that, like, 
I, I, I had like like tension in my chest and the adrenaline was thumping through my body sure. as I was sneaking through guards and like running down to my second objective. Yeah. And and the game won and I had it almost had to like lie down after that game because I do not do well <laughs> with that kind of tension. I love it, but it's also like yeah. <gasps> and, and conversely on our side of it, because me and Mike were the ones controlling the guards, we had the same experience. Frankly, it was, oh, did I miscalculate? And I don't really know where he is, but he could be here. And you're like, okay, I'm going to search here. And you're like, oh, please, please, please. No, he's not and you get up, And it's like a palpable, like, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Have we, I, I have, thought he was there. Have we calculated everything wrong? Yeah, How yeah, How far yeah. back? And you're trying to count your steps back. Yeah, I, I, I remember that game. We stopped, like, I won that game. And I, and I was like, I had had a physical reaction to that game. So sure. I'm like, that goes on the list because I'm like, I, we don't play a lot of games it, that do that. It's a very good game. I was very invested in that. We, we played it kind of back to back. Yes. And I think one mission we won as, the, I won as the guards. You were with me against yes. Mike as the sniper. Then it was Mike and me against you as the sniper. And, and it was, I really liked that session because I was lucky enough to experience both sides of that. And sure. boy, it was very interesting. Yeah, that, that's a very evocative game, I think. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. Okay, another one you wrote down that I skipped over because I have not played it, and ironically, it's my game, which I'm not sure how this happened. <laughs> John Company. <laughs> so I, I backed this on Kickstarter a couple of years ago. We got it, like, late last year. We just never got an opportunity, and we went to WBC, and as you know, WBC turned into a <laughs> hospital stay for me. And Alexander played John Company at least twice. Yeah, I was right? I was able to play it twice. Um, we actually have it in the car to try to play this weekend as well. That would be I'd awesome. Love to, I'd love to sit down and play that with you. Um, well, and that's a game I think you can play with non-war gamers, but it's still a historical. You can trick non-war gamers into it. <laughs> you just need to like a lot of people get turned off by the time because because uh, it's three or four hours at a minimum. Yeah, <laughs> and. For, like a, for a war game where we kind of poo-poo four to five hours, that's fine. Sure. But I think that is terrifying to a lot for of others, people. For others, sure. Uh, but John, John Company falls into that um, category of, of, like, player interaction. There's so much player interaction that you are, will literally, like, beg, borrow, and steal everything that you can. There's lots of, like bargaining and betrayal and yelling and screaming and when people like do things to screw you over it is deeply personal uh, and you <laughs> kind of ha- like diplomacy yes. right and like people feel and friendships have like, been lost hold a grudge for the rest of the game sure. and when they ask you for something you're like screw no, you yeah. I remember what you did to me <laughs> and my family so you get all of that stuff which I love in, an, in, in a game I, I almost get a lot of that from like here I stand as well yeah, I love those large multiplayer games where there's like open table talk and negotiation aspects. Yeah. Love that part of it. But John Company also poses you like some really despicable moral questions. Sure. Um, and I just like that's that's the thesis of the game is that you're like this, you know, wealthy family or trying to get wealthy. And it's a bunch of families getting together, part of John Company, to go and exploit the Indian subcontinent for its resources. It's really what you're doing. And as such, you will do things and you will say things in that game 
that are like deplorable <laughs> that like you would never like no one actually like thinks those things these days but like you're like I, I remember we're like sat around a table just in a very matter of fact CEO boardroom talking about carving up a continent and how best to approach it to go here and to like maximize our profits and resources. Sure. And when you really think about what you're doing, it's like, oh, it's awful. Because maximizing that profit and resources typically means it, extracting resources and taking them. Well, usually it, by force. Yeah. Overstepping the bounds of moral and well, overusing people or, and, you know. And then you get into this certain parts the of the board that like, open up the opium trade which no good comes from that yeah and so like you're like no we want to open the opium trade because look how much money we could make off of it so it's one of those like deeply soulless games that's full of very gross moral choices <laughs> but it puts you in there so that you can learn about like that stuff and experience some of that sure. and that's what like that's what was done uh, so you get to like have some of those like really horrible things, but the game itself is so good in its mechanical implementations, its player interactions, and just it is wolves just turning <laughs> on each other sure. for like the scraps of what's left over of the carcass that they've stripped already. is It's fascinating as a game. I, I look forward to playing it. I really it's do. It's wonderful. And, and, and I if can't you get wait. Max players and they're good players. Is it six players or five players? Um, you can do up to six okay. with it. It's so good. Nice. John Company from uh, Whirly Gig Games. Yes. Right? By Cole Whirly. He has some fantastic games that elicit. It, he's a an lot excellent designer. Pax Premier sure. is very cool. And, and it's and it's some similar stuff going on in yep. that game. Uh, okay, the next one on the list is Bomber Command. If you don't know, Bomber Command is a hit again a hidden movement game where you are playing either the Germans who are trying to stop the night bombing raids, or you're the you're Bomber, Bomber Command, Command. You're the British trying to bomb key German cities and take them out to affect their production and break their will and make them surrender. Right, that's the whole whole goal. Um, and it's a very cool game. We, we talked about it in the last video we did, but there's this moral conundrum. Yeah. The, the, the hidden movement part doesn't bother. None of that really bothers me. No, it's, it's tense. It's great gameplay. Yeah. It's trying to figure out stuff. That's right. Great. And it's a very cool mechanic, but when you finally reach your target as Bomber Command, you've got this bombing run, and you bring out these uh, tactile, tactical maps that are like splash maps, right? And they have residential areas, and they have commercial and industrial areas, and you're targeting mainly the industrial areas, right? <laughs> In theory. But because your bomber's damaged and your players are wounded, sometimes when you drop those bombs, they, they're on target when they leave the plane. In, in theory. In theory. <laughs> but when can shift them? The German player has some options of using cards to change their trajectory and they will fall on uh, residential areas or th there's even I swear there's an image of a church in I, one I, of the I, areas I'm sure there is and it's like a cultural y yeah and, and I think about that and, and the the concept of what what I'm trying to do is is decimate that area and ultimately when you do well enough you create basically a firestorm and and it's like is the British player you want that to happen. Yes. That's is, your goal. Which is 
awful. Yeah. And, 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 and then you get into like the, you know, the whole area bombing, carpet bombing stuff where if you've read anything about Bomber Command, the famous quote is from Bomber Harris. He says, people say that uh, war has never been won by, by carpet bombing. And, they, and he says, and I say, no one's ever tried. Yeah. And that was like basically his whole justification for doing what he did. And, and, and there's times where we talk about um, the, the firebombing of uh, Hamburg and they yeah. eviscerated Hamburg just a conflagration. And, 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 and then it's said that, and they switched targets, basically, and they said, and it's often said that, like, if we had continued to do that for another week or so... It would have not existed It, it, it probably would have changed the course of the war yeah. or would have had longer-lasting effects. But that's all conjecture, and we don't know. Yeah. And then you get... And then you talk about Dresden after the war was done, and lots of, lots of debate back and forth about the morality of what that was and so it's such an interesting thing because you've played this you know war game up until yeah. that point and then yeah the like, first hour hour and a half is you know Germans versus the bombers trying and, to intercept yep. them trying to find them trying to trying shoot, to shoot them, down. them down and then you do this bombing run and you are literally on this little hex map of a city putting out explosion counters and then putting out another ring of them and another ring of them and then the German based on how many disruptions they've done get to move some of them yeah. so you're trying to move them away from high value targets and drift them and then I get to move a few back because of some events that I've played yeah. and it's this very strange little game and then if you get this critical mass and it's windy and dry, you can set yeah. off a firestorm and like get way more points. It's like, oh my gosh, it's, it's such it's, a, it, an interesting thing. It's an interesting game, but it's one of those games that you think about that collateral damage when you are dropping those. And, and it's bleak. It, it is bleak and it elicits that feeling of dread and doom and gloom. And I, I, I still enjoy playing it, that bombing run, while extremely interesting it is sobering and it's very sobering it makes you think about oh okay this is a this lot is of really what I'm people doing. dying as well and, and and I mentioned in the other video 20th Air Force is another one where the 20th Air Force is basically firebombing Tokyo and Japan and it's the same thing so I'm not sure anyone will ever make a game on the dropping of the atomic bombs but well, it's not really it's, a game, though. Is no, no, no. It? no it, right. But it's the same concept, right? You're having to make a decision about, is this okay to do to save lives? But anyway, Bomber Command. Great game. GMT Games. Uh, the next one is a solo game, uh, Endurance. If you don't know anything about Endurance, it's from Hollenspiel. It's based on the Shackleton Expedition in the 1914 area or era uh, where they go to the pole and they are trying to circumnavigate it and they get iced in they get stuck and it's a game about the survival of that of those crew members led by Shackleton and ironically historically it was not a tragedy no one died they all survived now in the game when you play it that is not the case I in fact, Amabel, as she was designing the game and had some designer notes, said, there is no win in this game. There's no victory conditions. It's how can you just save these people, right? And I'm going to tell you, you go through the game, and it's about making sure you have the food to keep them alive. And 
you have sled dogs. Now, sled dogs are dual purpose in a situation like this, right? It's, <laughs> I need you to help me get supplies from the ship, but we can also kill and consume your body to keep us alive. You've also got to feed the dog. So you got to start, you know, there, there's tough choices when you start getting down low on food. You're like, okay, I, I can't feed them any longer. But when you kill them, that affects morale. Yeah, no one wants to put no, the dog The down. men don't want to kill their dogs. They become close with them. They love them. Animal people love them just like children. So it's it's a game about that, but I've never played a game where I was so filled with dread, but also on, on the same hand filled with exhilaration when I would succeed. Like I would roll a one or a two that I desperately needed and you're like, yes, I didn't eat all of my food. I'm alive still. And and ultimately it's a there's no it's a no-win situation. You're you're not going to win it, but it's a very interesting game that makes you think about and it's not a war game, right? But it's a it's a survival game. And I really did enjoy that game. Really actually loved it. So another one that I had on there that's a solitaire game, and I know you've played this as well, Tarawa 1943 from Worthington Publishing. Yes. It is an amphibious landing game on the island of Tarawa. And we all know that historically during World War II, they did a documentary as combat photographers went along and did this documentary called With the Marines at Tarawa. And it was horrific because those were the first images that the American people, and this was what, in 1943? November of 43, I believe. First images showing dead Marines. And I'm talking dead Marines in bad condition, floating in the water. So it's it's a tough situation. And they lost a lot, I think five or 6,000 troops died on both sides and it's brutal. But you roll dice and as you're landing on this island, the Japanese are firing at you and it's very easy to wipe out an entire squad. Yeah. And I, I've thought about that as I played that and it's like, man, literally the Marines just lost an entire company of guys. Yeah, those, there's not many blocks in that game. No, it's, it's so when you lose one, you're like, oh, that was like and, and, <laughs> 150 but, people. But it brought to my mind that with the Marines at Tarawa and just the, the direness of the situation, the dread that I'm sure their families were worried about, uh, and and the soldiers themselves they're they're human beings they're not they're not robots but having to go in wave after wave after wave and seeing your friends killed before you and their landing craft blown up and you thinking to yourself is this going to happen to me and and i think that you could almost parlay this into a lot of d-day games sure like the, the, all that d-day at series from decision games very difficult they're, they're extremely difficult on purpose because what was actually done was difficult and they make great solitaire games both because they're very challenging but also because when you do win it's amazing and I and I think that d-day games are extremely popular because it was so Difficult. Uh, difficult. Yeah. It, a massive challenge, and I think it's such an interesting thing to kind of walk through and to kind of relive, and it being so bloody and uh, and the battle's so challenging helps give an appreciation of, you know, yeah. what was done in those in those moments. 
And the interesting thing about this game is it's a dice chucker. You're literally <laughs> rolling a bunch lovely. of dice, playing some cards to add modifiers or re-roll, and it's just, it's brutal. It's a light little game, but it really, in me, it evokes a lot of that concern and care for the soldiers that I'm portraying. So I, I've really enjoyed that game. I, I really have. Enjoyed it and not enjoyed it in the same sentence. Uh, Holland 44 is one that I added to this list. Yes. Why did I add Holland 44 to the list? We kind of had a good conversation off camera about this. Yeah. So you'd said something very interesting because Holland 44 is an incredible game just in its own right. It's a great operation. Well, mechanically, the system's very cool. It's a very interesting tactical situation. You have to take three bridges and then you have to run 30 core up up Hell's Highway. It's just very interesting. But it's also a very explicit tactical situation. It's very obvious what it is you need to do. Yeah. So you're immediately not worried about, like, how do I formulate, like, a strategy? It's like, here's what I need to do. Let's do it. You're immediately playing the game. And that makes one of the reasons it's a wonderful game. But uh, you'd also mentioned that you, when you play this, you very desperately want to win it. Yes. You want to go and link up with the the, the different Devils. airborne troops yep. and the paras, and you want to do it so badly because they so very hard because they didn't do it in real life. Yeah, it failed. The Operation Market Garden was a total failure, and 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 that's such. It an, was because of Monty, but sorry. <laughs> no, I mean it was. <laughs> it was his mission, right? But they, there's so much to what you'd said with that, where I'm like, that's so interesting. Because there's a lot of games that we play where I'm just trying to meet my victory conditions or, like, you know, I'm trying to take these little red hexagon squares, right? But Holland 44, when I'm playing that, it's the same way. Mm -hmm. And there's something about market garden games where, to me, and I kind of feel that way about Gallipoli in a way, I I want to do better than they did because it was, frankly, a disaster. Yep. And... And, and it's that what could have been kind of kind of a situation, yeah. and uh, especially when you had a military disaster, being able to redo those with, and, and try to be successful, there's that extra level of motivation of like almost an excitement and, and a hope that you can do it sure. better and like, man, this would have been amazing. Yeah, that so, some of those games are a bit more visceral when you play them, and Holland Forty Four is a wonderful example of that. Well, and I think there's a couple other games I can think of. So, so for instance, the game we played a couple of weeks ago, um, Verdun. Oh, Steel Inferno. Steel Inferno. Oh, yes. You know, historically, Germans didn't succeed there, right? But when you're playing the Germans, you so badly want to succeed. And I think with World War One, every time I play the Germans, it's like, oh, I, I want to break through. So, and you can't, right? It's just, it's just very hard. Same on the Eastern Front. I, I want so badly to make it to Moscow, and every game that we play, I'm like, oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm making progress. But then you look at the calendar, and, <laughs> and you like, start oh, to realize, no. oh, next week it's bad weather, and I'm still very, very far away. So it's that concept of. I don't have a good chance of doing this, but I want so badly to do it, succeed. And I think for me, Holland 44, I'm much more invested in that. Like, with with like an East Front game, I'm just trying to win it. Sure. I've, I don't have that same like emotional connection to it because yep. I couldn't give a red ass if either side wins or loses, <laughs> honestly. Got it. Like, but 
with something where we're trying to liberate Holland from Nazi Germany. Sure. And in the war. Yeah. By Christmas. You know, and like, and link up with the troops that we just put there. Right. And what actually happened, there's some there's some element to that that really is. When you mentioned that and how you approach that, like, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so that to me that evokes a lot of emotion. Uh Here's another one, a solo one that I'll talk about, and then we'll... So Jeff Davis, and I know you have not played I this not. one. Jeff Davis is from White Dog Games. It's designed by Ben Madison. It is a States of Siege series game. So you are playing as the Confederate States of America. That's why it's called Jeff Davis. And you are attempting to hold the Union back so that you can potentially encourage Britain to join you and provide you with weapons and even, even support so that you can win your ultimate goal of being a free and separate uh, nation. And the game is, is, it's very good mechanically. It's very interesting. I know there are many people out there that would never play it because they're playing the bad guys right in their mind. But in the game, economy is a big part of the game. You have factories that you're worried about protecting. Once those factories are gone, you lose certain, certain things. But you also have a supply of slaves. We all know the South was built on slavery. There were plantation after plantation that had hundreds and, uh, of slaves that worked every day, 12, 16, 18 hours, were treated poorly, and were used as an economic tool. In that game, they are a resource. So when you do some things, you can exhaust one of those slave tokens to do that a little better. And, and that's a hard moral thing, right? I, I know a lot of people, when I did unboxing and a, and a review, made the comment, boy, that's a hard situation. And, and yes, but once again, it's a historical situation where that's what happened. And I find that interesting, put into the game mechanics, and it does elicit a lot of that, oh boy, I really don't want to do this. I don't want to be a part it of this. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good, but the game is still very interesting. and doesn't glorify slavery in any way, shape, or form, but it does have that slavery. Indeed, in it. it does the opposite, because it makes you feel a certain way yeah. in having to do that. Well, it makes you realize that those slave owners saw them not as people, but as resources. And that's ultimately what they are treated as in the game. I've heard the statement made, well, why isn't there more of that in war games? You, you know, thinking of World War II, the Holocaust, but how are you going to fit the Holocaust into a World War II game operational level that's talking about... Yeah, you know, that's that's not... It doesn't really add up. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were used as an economic, right, resource in some ways. They did some work and but, labor camps but and that me, kind of thing. But to me, it wasn't... I could be wrong about this. I don't think there was enough labor that would contribute on a grand tactical scale. Probably not. I think the larger workforces that were imported from, like, Russia, where sure. those workers were displaced, that weren't necessarily part of the Holocaust. Yeah. So that's tough. Anyway, that interesting game that evokes that, that bad feeling of that slavery concept. Uh, the next one we have on the list is Colonial Twilight. I added this one to the list. This is the Algerian coin series game from GMT, designed by Brian Train. Brian is a designer that doesn't pull many punches. 
he's designed a lot of games that include the less than desirable elements of that history. I'm thinking of a distant plane with IEDs and and those things. And in Colonial Twilight, you know, there's terror and there's sabotage, which is a very common theme amongst all the insurgent factions in the games. But in this game, they have pivotal event cards that have reprisals on them. And it literally talks about some of those reprisals in a very visceral way and really gets you thinking about, okay, if I'm doing this card, that really means I'm doing this. And making that connection sometimes in my mind is very different and separate of playing the game mechanically. And I think with Colonial Twilight, that hit me on a deeper level than most of the other games. Once again, all the games have terror. All the games have car bombs and kidnapping and bribing. You know, we we played Andy and Abyss last night together, and there was terror and car bombs and kidnapping and all of the extortion, all of those less than desirable things. But, man, in Colonial Twilight, for me, it's just very visceral. There's just a real dark feeling for that. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I know Colonial Twilight's not your favorite coin. No, and it's been a long time since we played that uh, so I don't know if I have much to contribute to that conversation, per se. But speaking of Algeria, though, yeah, uh, I think the Red Banus was a game that I did think was yeah very interesting. Underdogs war games always offer you some that extra element of like investment, I think. But that one really put really put like a, a different spin on it because. These were civilians, yeah, old women and children, generally, and, who yeah. were then being like um, mobilized. Yep, and that's you don't have any soldiers really. <laughs> you like, you, you know, there's a card for like rifles to give to your women to use. Sure, like it, it's such a different paradigm that these are the forces that you have, and yep. that that was such a cool game because it just presented a very different type of conflict and it's like these are people fighting for both survival of yep. themselves and their and, way of life and their way of life in their own country yeah that was such a neat little experience in that well, and, game. and the other thing i love the cooperative mechanic of that so we were working together basically controlling different villages trying to you know keep the french out and and when the french would kind of come in on your side and get close to your villages, I could send some of my guys over to you or provide you with cards. And it really made this interconnected feeling of these different mountain villages. Like, we're people. We're working together. We're Berbers, and we're trying to help you survive. The other thing I really did enjoy about it, I think you lose the game if two villages are destroyed, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And, And those villages being destroyed means those... People are, some are killed, some are taken hostage or captive, some are displaced, made refugees, their way of life is destroyed. They grew up in that village, and you think about that, and you're like, oh, I'm going to do everything I can to stop that from happening. Yeah. Really connected to that game, it's the Red Bernoose from Hit Him With A Shoe Games. Um, really great 
I, I enjoyed it. Yes. It's still on my shelf. I want to play it solo. You can do it solo. You can do it co-op. Very interesting. And, and you should. It was a really yeah. cool game, that's for sure. So the Redbird News. Thanks for bringing that one up. Um, another one I have, I'm, I'm going to talk about these two games, and you can join the conversation, obviously. Comancheria, which is a solitaire game of the Comanches, the rise and fall of the Comanches in southwest uh, United States, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas area. It's a solitaire game designed by Joel Toppin and put out by GMT Games, but it deals from a period of like 1600 to the 1850s. So they're fighting the Mexicans at first amongst other tribes that are also competing with them. And then ultimately it, it leads up to the Americans as they come in and we move west. And you're playing as those, a Comancheria is just a, a village, basically. Yeah. So you are playing as those, those Indians trying to live your life. You're trying to get horses and food and get rifles that protect yourself and allow you to hunt. And you're having to run out and fight these soldiers who are much better than you, by the way. <laughs> and you're trying to raise your young men up into soldiers and then your old men die and you have to replace them. And it's just a very interesting game that gets you in the lifestyle of these Native Americans. And I, I've loved it. I've played it probably eight or 10 times. It's been several years since I played it, but it, it makes me love that culture, love those people, want to help them do their job, hold off the Mexicans and the Americans as they come into their way of life. And it, it's just fascinating. The other game is Plains Indian Wars. Yes. We've played that together. It is a light Birth of America series inspired game from John Paniski and GMT Games. Probably fairly controversial, right? I think it's quite polarizing with yeah. people, yeah. Because some people are playing as the Western tribes, both the Northern tribes and the southern tribes then another player is playing as the u.s cavalry and then somebody else is playing as the settlers and the settlers and the cavalry are trying to go out take over area and build a rail line to win the game which ultimately leads to the destruction of their way of life and civilization and as the indians now i wrote a piece on this you're you can't win as the indians and what i mean by that is you cannot go untouched, unchanged, or unaffected by this westward expansion. Yeah. So it's a matter of, okay, I've got to do whatever I can do to carve out my piece to retain my history and heritage and culture. And it's just fascinating. So you can win the game. You're not going to win the war. Yeah. Right? You, what, what winning looks like is you avoided the entire annihilation of your yeah. culture. Which and is, you stop the rail line basically from being finished. But but in doing so, you will have very little left. Three or four spots, maybe, maybe five. And it's, I, when I play that game, I, it, it, it's, it's humbling. It's sobering. Because I realize that the United States of America, that's how we were built, right? On the backs of those, those natives. And it's, it's saddening to me. It's um, a bit of a, it's a bit of a tragedy in a box. Yep. Uh, it's a bit of a, I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, huh, these people really believed in manifest destiny. Yep. And like what that really means in reality for a lot of people who suffered under those boots, which is 
sad, but yeah, it's the, the gameplay itself. People had a lot of complaints about the rule book apparently well the rules are tough but like I don't know it was fine we played a prototype and so jumping back into it was fine yeah but yeah it's a what I enjoy about that game over maybe some of the others in the Birth of America official series is that it had a lot of direction yeah the building of the railroad and trying to protect that gave a lot of focus to the cavalry and the settler factions who were trying to help to get that done Whereas I feel like in some of the other games, it's a very broad front, and you can kind of do what you want. Sure. And so newer players kind of get lost in that. Yeah, this one was pretty focused, I think. Like, it has a very distinct narrative to the game. Yeah. But I, I, I will say this about the game. I think the mechanics are interesting. I think the, the narrative that it does create is also very interesting. But it is, it is sobering, I'm going to be honest. And every time I play that game, I feel a little, a little bad, you know. But it's still an interesting game. Okay, the final couple of games we have listed here are... We're going to lump these in together. It's, they're both tactical-level games. Yes. Because you said this earlier, you know, one counter represents one man. So in, in Combat Commander from GMT Games, one of my favorite tactical games of all time, and in Lock and Load Tactical, your, your soldiers represent one man, and in Combat Commander, all the... All the counters have names. So when you're playing the Russians, it's it's Sergeant Konyev or it's you know Private Brusilov or, or, or whatever. And as you're playing that game and those guys get broken and you flip them over and they, they can't do anything and then they get killed, you you feel for them, right? Yeah. You you kind of gain a connection because sometimes one of those guys becomes a hero because he did Something really great came from an event card, by the way. <laughs> Not really anything you did. But, you know, then he has a lot of power, and you want to make him heroic. You want to Audie Murphy him and run up on tanks and throw grenades in hatches and do those kind of things. But when they die, they die, and you kind of, you kind of feel that. Yeah, I think tactical-level games, even in general, um, but some more than others do a really good job of heightening the experiences with them. Sure. And I just think that that is to do with that more personal level that you're in, but also those mechanics. When you lay down fire with a counter in a tactical game, he's either got a rifle or he's got a submachine gun or he has, like, you know, a, 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 a fixed machine gun. And you know the sound of what that weapon makes. Oh, yeah. Right? That's playing in your head when yep. you're doing that, when you're firing and your... And you're even seeing the little boop-boop, boop-boop, yeah, little when, hits on the ground. When and you throw a grenade and you roll the grenade dice, that's the explosion. You can hear that in your brain. And yeah. so it, it elevates all of that stuff. And so that's why they make such great narrative games as well. Yeah. I think people talk about Combat Commander. It's always... I just love the stories that come out oh, of this yeah. game. You'll be playing a scenario, and it will play yeah. so different from the time you played it before. And it's, yeah. you know, that one guy who, like, charged across some open ground, yeah. and, and all of the opportunity fire missed, and yep. he made it in, and he threw a satchel charge into a trench, and, blew up and the everyone yeah. died. Like, yeah. you can't make that stuff up, and you don't have that stuff at higher levels In an games. operational or a... Tactical or not in the, tactical not in the or same visceral way. I, and you mentioned it, but the, one of the things I enjoy about both those systems, lock and load tactical and combat commander, 
is that ultimate moment when you've got to make a move across open ground. Yes. You've got to leave your really nice protected building and you've got to run across the street knowing that the other the other side has a an opportunity fire card or or if their guys aren't used and they're fresh they can shoot in lock and load tactical. Yeah, they're ready. And it's like I feel that tension, and I can imagine that as a commander, right? Ordering your men. Yep. Okay, guys, get out of that foxhole and run across the, the open field. What do you mean, Sarge? I, I need you over there. Yeah, right? we'll, we'll lay down some covering fire. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to throw some smoke, <laughs> and we're going to... But you still got to do it, yeah. and I love that tension of that game. And they both have opportunity fire in different ways, but I... I do enjoy that. In Lock and Load Tactical, I love the spotting mechanic, although yeah. it kind of drives me nuts. <laughs> but you have to spot them before you can fire on them, and if they fire, they're auto-spotted. Yeah. Right? You Oh, you know the fire came from the second story, you, you know, Yeah. Room. We get them back. I, those tactical games are probably some of my favorite gaming moments. Exultant screams of joy. Or when I come down to the end and all I had to do was take out one more hex and I got it, or I got one more KIA on you, uh, or it goes to sudden death and you're like, oh crap, anybody can win at any moment. Yeah, just great experiential war games. Tactical games just they just they hit different. Yeah. Like when we play operational games, I love operational games. We'll play the game and the game will play out and someone will have won and it's always like, good job, you did a great job at that. Yeah. Whereas when you play tactical games, it's like, gotcha. There's something much more personal about it because sure. these are like people yeah. doing things and it's like, I, I don't know, the do scale makes a big the, difference. Do you remember the Nations at War series from Lock and Load? We played a couple of those. Yes, that's their company I, level system. It, it felt very tactical, but it had some of that. I'm not going to say operational, but a little higher echelon or higher... Also a great system because it's chip pull, so it's nice yeah. and easy. And, like, you just, hey, I pull a chip and I activate for my formation. Yeah. But the, like you said, they've got different counter types within a company. Yeah. So you'll have your, like, heavy Machine weapons gunner, platoons yeah. and flamethrowers and things. Yeah. So you still get that, and the terrain is still pretty meaningful. Yep. Yeah, those, those are great, too. I think one more tactical game I'd like to mention is Conflict of Heroes from Academy Games. Yes. We've played Awakening the Bear, and I think we've also played Storms of Steel. And we played um, Guadalcanal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've played actually a bunch of that. Yes. Really enjoy the system. Great little tactical system. It doesn't have the same feelings as Combat Commander or Lock and Load because their counters aren't named. There's no specific names. But the thing I really enjoy about that system, the Conflict of Heroes system, is when you get hit and take damage, you draw a chit from it. Is it a communal pool? I don't remember if it's uh, communal. Yes, yeah, it's one, it's one big communal So we're drawing from the same pool, and there might be, what, 15 chits in there? Oh, it's, more, it's more than that, yeah. 20 chits, 25 chits. It's been a while since we've played it. But one or two of them are KIA, right? When you pull that out, yeah, you're, you're dead. You're dead. <laughs> Not good. Some of them are just suppressed, so you'd be like negative one to fire. But some of them are like injured, and all of a sudden your movement rate is reduced by one or two, or your combat rate is reduced by one or two. But the unknown of reaching into that thing and drawing out really is, I think, a great feeling. 
well, for that tactical game. And then on top of that, it adds only you, as no. the owner of that unit, know what it is. Yep. So then you get into this micro-bluffing game. Sure. <laughs> like, what oh, I this have? unit's crap when it's nothing. Yeah, like, oh, I can, I, I can still use it to threaten, even sure. though I don't have a movement factor anymore because you blew my wheels off, yep. right? Like, yep. Or like, my gun doesn't work, but you don't know that. Yep. So I'm going to, like, charge my guy up. That's very threatening. I can't shoot, but you don't know I can't shoot. And so it forces you yeah. to do things because it's an element of fog of war that's really fun and adds a, a, this extra layer of like tension and bluffing and, and yeah. intrigue and it's fun and enjoyable. That is actually the best part of that little mechanic that you don't you don't announce it. Oh, I got hit and I'm negative one. No, you, you just put it on top of your guy and y- your enemy doesn't know. Now, remembering when, what it is well, yeah, sometimes you, it can be you hard have to go so you have and to look, look at it. And then once you start to fire and you're at negatives or you, like, can't do things, you have to... It, it becomes obvious. You have to yeah, show yeah. But, like, it's so fun. I, and I, I enjoy those systems that create that kind of... Once again, that feeling of dread or tension or the unknown. That's one of the reasons I do enjoy chit pull because you never know who and when they're going to activate. And, and I always feel like that's, a, that's one of the great advantages, that fog of war to that chit pull mechanic. Yeah, and when you pull the chit and it's not the one you needed, and it's, and it's that gut punch of like, oh, oh no. Yeah, yeah I, I think games, war games specifically, that can make you feel all these cacophony of feelings, right? The potpourri of feelings really is a good design and makes me want to play those more. Yeah, and, right? and if a game can do those additional things, that to me elevates a game and my appreciation and opinion of it as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think about some of the games that I love, and there are elements of those in all of them. It's rare that I like a game where it's sure. just a military simulation. Uh, Almost uh, all of them have extras. Yeah. Another series or system that I enjoy because it creates some interesting feelings is Pericles and Churchill. That debate mechanic on yeah. the, the, you know, the... What, what do you call that? The table, conference table, yeah. is so unique because you have goals, your your enemies have goals, and you're kind of battling over those, and you're like, oh, i got to get that. How am I going to get it? Knowing that the Soviets have that niet, which is really powerful. Yes. Or knowing that they have their leader, which is um, Stalin, who you use him and you can move something like all the way into your area. And the same with Pericles, you're actually fighting with your own friend in a four-player game. You're each on the same side, but you're trying to win the war for yourself, but you're fighting over that table so you can do what you want to do and score victory points. Those are good examples, I think, of games that create tension through a back-and-forth kind of mechanic like negotiation or... You know. I, I think one final game that comes to mind is War Room. Yeah. From Nightingale Games, because that... I, and, it, and, it, and it's the mistakes you make in that game you feel much harder. when because you've you can't like undo them. written out these orders, yep. and you sent your army to the wrong spot, or, like, the, it was counted very well, and you goofed, and then you reveal your order, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, the... Those elements of despair are really strong in that game when something goes badly. Yep. I remember we played that all day 
and it was well, we played that one twice we we kind of played for yeah. four hours I think we quit because we had boogered it up quite a bit it was landing game yeah and then we played again and it and was the just, Japanese just dominated. but there was so many like stand up moments or great oh, moments yeah. of like when you'd make a mistake everyone was like oh no yeah and, and you mentioned it but that concept of the the written orders that you can't change so you're sending an army into a certain area if your enemy if their first order was go into that area well then you're going to fight right yeah. or if they go in that area and block so you can't get around them you can't fulfill your order so very unique very yeah, interesting and it's and it's again it's those extras that add on to games that give you other feelings than just kind of your straight competition between players that I, I really like those I thought you were going to mention the in our opinions the disparity between the combat effectiveness and prowess of battleships versus aircraft carriers and oh. how battleships I think everybody at the table thought were overpowered I very desperately want to play that again and put more of that to the test but remember on the second game, I did. And I built battleships with the Japanese and nobody could touch me. But that's because the American player did not play oh. how the designer told us Had to counter that. Got it. Okay. And so I'm very curious to play that again to see what that looks yeah. like and to see... How it works out. Yeah, what that commitment And that's is. the great thing about a lot of those games. You can learn strategies, try something different, and things work, di- work differently. Yeah, a game that also, like... I, and a lot of games have this, but when, when there are games that have elements of, like, catastrophic losses, those are also games where that's, like, it's, like, that, oh, that sickening, sinking feeling of, like, yeah. oh, no, this is going to go really badly. Um, and, and it's not, I don't know, I feel like that's almost like a mechanic of ages past where you have, like, death stacks and people will just disappear. Sure. And they're, like, oh. Well, and I think in War Room, didn't it also have the national will? Yep. Where if you lost a certain amount of units, your your will was going to drop. And if it dropped too low, you can't produce. Yeah, you start losing guys off the board, yep. and then you can't make as many guys. It's, it's better, babe. So, anyway, lots of good games out there that make you think, for sure. Yeah, so get in the comments. I want to hear what games that you have that elicit you know, additional feelings or experiences or pose different questions to you, something to mull over, to think about, something that does more than just chess, where it's my pieces against yours. I want to know more about what games you guys have in those experiences, because that's something that I look for in games. Or if a game can offer me that, I'm going to be much more interested in trying to check it out as well. Yeah. So let us know uh, what games kind of in that broad category that you have going on, but uh, appreciate you either way tuning in. I'm Alexander for the And I'm Grant.